Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be rounding up the final action of the URC and the end of the playoff race in the Premiership. We'll be discussing Jack Knowles' whopper fine and looking ahead to the Champions Cup semi-finals. Plus, we'll be chatting to Northampton star Finn Smith after Saints confirmed their spot in the Premiership playoffs. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Goody, you're back. Yes. Good to be back. Holiday blues, I'm not going to lie. Really? Yeah. Holiday blues and I'm in trouble at home. Do tell. Well, it went wrong again on Saturday. So no, I had an amazing holiday with the family as I spoke about last week. We got back, uh, when did we get back? Friday, I think it was. Unpacking the suitcases, all that stuff. Saturday, I had a dinner at Uxbridge Rugby Club. Uh, I spoke at their 75th anniversary dinner. And Uxbridge isn't far from me. It's about a 20 minute Uber. And as I've left the house, black tie do. Mrs. is like that, you know. You normally drive to some of these, don't you? But yeah, it's just down the road, just getting Uber. She's like, oh, one of those ones, is it? I'm like, no, what do you mean? I'll be home by 12. No. A massive shout out to all the lads at Oxbridge Rugby Club, apart from two or three of them who just kept challenging me to chop-offs. Always take it too far, some of them, don't they? I think they're legends. Like, you've got to remember, Andrew, Like we shake our heads at this and we're like, what are you doing? That is the biggest moment and the best moment of their life is holding a pint in their hand, there ain't a bigger moment. That is like Johnny Wilkinson dropping a goal in 2003 if they beat you That on that any given moment that night. Did it happen? Well, James, what do you reckon did they beat me? Absolutely no fucking chance. <laughs> so I ended up chopping a load of pints and lads are like, let's have another go. I'm like, I'll just beat you again. And I'm trying to make the fine for losing progressively worse. And they're not, they're not learning. They're having to do another two, three pints. They're having to do tops off press-ups, all this stuff. And great bunch of lads. But anyway, long story short... 
I said I'd be home for 12 and it wasn't even close to 12. So, um, what time was it? 2.30. That's not bad for you, Goody. Plus VAT. What then? So honestly, cool. <laughs> what was it? A few days have passed now. It was close to 3 than 2.30, but I said it was only 2.30. Ubers were awful. The Ubers were, I couldn't get home. They are really bad at the minute. Couldn't get home. <laughs> Kept cancelling on me. Then I had a kids party on Sunday morning, trampolining. Obviously, I can't trampoline because my ankle, but I was there in spirit. So yeah, it's great to be back and good to be back in studio. But James isn't here, he's up in Edinburgh. Jim, how was your week, mate? Corporate James. Yeah, a lot happening, a lot in the pipeline, but I don't want to spoil it because we're launching a new style of the way that we do things at World Rugby. Org. So I can't give too much away. But what I can give away is some of the stuff that I did this week. I was over in Dublin, our second home, Andrew, Andy Rowe, and I was doing an activation for Just Eat. They said, who do you want from Leinster to do it with? I said, you got to bring out the big guns. I put Dan Sheehan in the World 15. He needs to be there. And I like the look of Andrew Porter. Get him in there as well. So we had Ethan Moore, Dan Sheehan, and Andrew Porter. And I've not met Andrew Porter. We've obviously met Dan Sheehan's brother and we've been out on the smash with him a few times. So he thinks we're loose as a goose. He's put me in the same mold as Goody. I'm like, I'm not. I'm two, <laughs> he's six o'clock. Very different. I said, we're different in there. We're out late, but not as late as each other or as early as each other. But Andrew Porter, so there was no kind of remit or whatever. I just had to turn up and press play and it was a tumbleweeds interview. So I was basically like, Andrew, how are you? And let, had to let him answer. And this is Andrew Porter, had to let him answer. And he's looking at me. I was like, can you just say to camera your name, how old you are, who you are? And it was so tumbleweeds, but that's how they wanted it. So Andrew Porter, 27, loose head prop, banter. That was it. How awkward. <laughs> and what's, what's the reason behind that? Because the awkward comedy factor or just sterile content? Well, I think you could sit there and be like, who's the hardest player you've played against? Who's the best player you've played against? How much food do you eat? What are your bench? What are your squat? 350 kgs he squats. So I had to ask him that in the end. I had to ask him some normal questions. Yeah, it was like tumbleweeds. Like just the, basically, they had Snoop Doggy Dog. They had Katy Perry Perry. See what I've done with that? Because Perry Perry and... You can eat dogs in different countries, so Snoop Doggy Dog. You can't dog. eat dogs, James. Let's let's be clear. This mm. podcast launched off the back of animal rights coming after Vern Cotter and Jim Hamilton. In some countries, you can eat dogs. Not in this country. Well, you almost barked then as well. That was a growl and a bark <laughs> when I said it. So you had Snoop Doggy Dog, Katy Perry Perry, and Jim Hamilton, the face of Just Eat. Just eat. That was your whole week? That was the whole week. And then a really, really relaxing weekend with the kids. Just so relaxing, just... <laughs> got to sit down and no arguing or anything. Yeah, so it's been it's been great. How hard is it entertaining the four kids? It's impossible at different ages. Do you go to the missus? You take two, I'll take two, or or do you say you take four, I'll take none? Yeah, got that bad on Sunday that we went two and two, and then I brought the two home and then went out by myself. So basically, <laughs> I had two, she had two, she had four, I had none. Quick maths. <laughs> It is hard. I'll tell you now, it is hard parenting. I'm happy to say it that. Is. It is. tough, And we've got so much going on in our house as well. Different ages. JJ's 12. Phoebe's nearly 10 going on 16. The twins are five. They're shouting, bickering with each other. But one's a boy and a girl, so they can't really fight because Max is bigger than Freya. Yeah, just constant arguing, bickering. Who's eating this? Who's taking that? Who's not flushed the toilet? Who's not made the bed? Why is there toast in someone's bed that's green that the dog's now eating? Where's the hamster? The dog's eating the hamster. <laughs> Where's the lizard's food? We we found out that the lizard hadn't, hadn't eaten for a week. I said I didn't. I thought it could go for three months, six months without eating. Apparently not. So the lizard's eating dog food, but the dog's eating the hamster. So we don't even know who's eating what or who's eating who. 
Oh, the mad life of the Hamiltons. Yes, it is. And a busy week coming up, is it? Busy week. Looking forward to it. It is a busy week, actually. I'm hosting the Leicester Tigers Player of the Season Awards. Then, Wednesday, we're down at Henry Slade and Jack Knowles' testimonial. Oh, yeah. Big issue. What, he ain't got 10 grand to pay? I don't think we're getting paid for it now. (laughs) Money's tight. So I'm taking a signed Scotland ball down to try and raise the raffle because Jack Knowles is skint. So two Scotland balls, again, being brought down. One signed by Hugo Southwell. The other one signed by... Graham Morrison, and we're going to try and raise a load more money so we can effectively get paid. I can justify to the wife why I've had 15 parts of rattlesnake cider, which is gluten-free, and I've come through the door with my eyeballs hanging out my head. <laughs> all in the name of charity and all in the name of Jack Knoll and Henry Slade, two legends. There we go. What do you guys make of the, the fine? Ridiculous. Said it on Twitter. The only good thing about it is Jack Knoll's got a load of cash and he's donating it to Ed Slater. And the Four Ed Foundation, isn't he? So you could say in all this, and I haven't been on social media much over the weekend, but I've seen that the £10,000 fine, there's a big push to put that in the direction of Ed Slater and the hashtag Four Ed charity. So if that is the case, Jack, maybe one of the best tweets you've ever done, mate, because that money is going to be put to good use. So keep tweeting. I just didn't even comment on it because this is the world we're in now. You've got no idea what's going to come from it. Is he going to get one game banned? Does that mean he's going to miss the semi-final this weekend. I thought we might have got a one-match ban. Then they throw out, where have they picked out 10 grand from? Well, this is the thing. So I sat on the sunbed in Dubai last week. Kids are in kids' club, having a flick on social media. I don't think the missus wants to speak to me. So just have a flick through on the sunbed as you do. You see the whole Jack Noel thing erupt. And I'm like, it, the tweet itself is harmless, in my opinion. And some people have come back to me on social media, going, oh, he's, he's instigating people to go after the referee. No, he's not. He's just commenting on effectively what is a rubbish law, which we debated last week. It is rules is rules, but it's a crazy law. We spoke about the fact that Carl Dixon didn't referee it in the Quinns-Bristol game earlier in the season and has obviously realised that mistake and refereed it in this aspect of it. You read the tweet itself, it's not abusive. And I agree, if you are being abusive as a player online and targeting someone and saying X, Y, and Z is an absolute tool or whatever, Mm -hmm. as a player, you sign up for a code of conduct, right? And I'm hoping we get out to Exeter this week and they pat me on the back a bit because I went hard on social media defending Jack and saying that, you know, you might be taking him out of the European semi-final, his last ever game at Sandy Park, blah, blah, blah. So they didn't ban him, but they just gave him a 10 grand fine. Obviously, what they've realised is we can't ban him because there'll be uproar because he's actually not done much, but we're going to make a point here and we're going to fine him 10 grand and make him pay it to charity so we look good people. But the big issue for me is the amount of other tweets around exactly the same scenario from other players, and I'm not going to name them, loads of other tweets from other players, people still playing the game on other podcasts have said stuff, but you've only picked out Jack Noll and a 10 grand fine for that. That's what is frustrating because you know, we talk about characters and growing the game and all this stuff. No one can look at that tweet and go, that's abusive. That deserves a disciplinary hearing, I don't think. Anyone with any common sense can see that there's no abuse there, is there? It's just questioning a law and, and how it's all come about around the red card. But here we are. We sit. He's 10 grand lighter. It's going to a good cause, hopefully, in Ed Slater. And the RFU have sort of gone back and, and realised they, they don't want to ban him. Just give him a 10 grand fine and we move on. I wonder what would happen if he didn't pay it. Now he's got pressure to pay it because it's for a good cause. But say it was 10 grand fine and they've gone down a rabbit hole here now because... If people tweet or, like you said, they go through the archives and look at everyone's Twitter after a game at the weekend, and it could be 
construed to be something completely different. Like Jack Noel, I was messaging him about this week. I was like, mate, just deny that it was to do with a game. Just say it was to do with something else. <laughs> and then also £10,000, is that based because they know Jack Noel's salary or they know he's on a decent... He might have no money. He might have gambled and tattooed his money away. So he might not have £10,000. And then he's no longer an RFU employee, potentially at the end of the season in a few weeks. What if you're like, well... I ain't got the money, big fella, so I ain't paying it. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. It's a hell of a lot of money for anyone. What price would you guys put on a semi-final in the European Championship? If you had the choice, okay, you can either take a one-game ban or a fine. Who's the game against? La Rochelle. Yeah, I'd be like, just ban me. <laughs> <laughs> what, and you got to tackle Bottier all day? And then Big Willie Skelton? Yeah, I'm banned. I think when you're in the mix of it all, effectively this could be Jack Noel's last ever game for extra after everything he's done for the club. To producer Rob's just sent me a message saying it would have been nice for the RFU to clarify the rule and defend Dixon's application rather than just a fine. Well, firstly, it's a law, Andy Rowe. Oh, gosh. Not rules is rules. Laws is laws. Rob's a northerner, though. They're like three, four years behind, aren't they? In Stockton, <laughs> Newcastle, just in terms of everything, development. They don't have artisan craft coffee up there. So we'll let him off with the... Laws and the rules just once. Uh, you leave my Newcastle out of this. The letter of the law, Carl Dixon did the right thing. Effectively, Jack Noel's frustration with it is the actual law itself. I don't think that's the only one, is it? That's not the only law that needs to be looked at. There's a few of them that are going into the mix. But in answer to producer Rob's question, the RFU didn't come out and defend what actually happened on the field. Nothing was said about that. It's all to do with the tweet. And again, you know what? There's a lot of positives that have come out of this because it's given us a decent chunk of content Producer Rob's had an input, and Slates is getting 10 grand going into the foundation. So I'll go back to my initial point. Jack, tweet away, and you've got two signed Scotland <laughs> balls coming your way so we can raise you a bit of money on the night as well. And while we're talking about the RFU, they've confirmed the tackle height changes on Friday, but the wording is now the base of the sternum. What do you guys make of this? Well, that's come from World Rugby. So that new law is an opt-in law, and that's also or a change in regulation, if you like, however you want to use it. I mean, do not quote me on my terminology or spelling because I am a swordsman, not a wordsman. Swordsman, <laughs> not a wordsman. But that is an opt-in from World oh, Rugby. It's a wordsmith. <laughs> but <laughs> I love, I'm a swordsman, not a wordsman. There, that's what we've missed. There we go. I'm There's back. a Jimism. He's back. Corporate James is gone. And Big Jim's back. I know, I am. Jimbo's back. But... Look, we've gone around the houses on this and we went around the houses on the RFU approach to it before, which got completely kiboshed and there was a huge amount of backlash. I've been across a, some of the conversations, again, without looking at all the literature properly in and out, which I will come across and do. This is an opt-in approach by World Rugby. They've listened, they've heard what people have said. And this is something, Goody, that we've spoken about privately, in groups, and where the game is at the minute. Everyone feels like there needs to be a shift. Something needs to happen to make the game safer. They will need to be seen to be doing things because of the litigations, the participation numbers are lower. So for me, it's a case of something was always going to happen. The RFU went about it the wrong way when they mentioned about waist and below. Tackle was the way forward. Now it's the sternum, not just the sternum. Everyone's hoping that their sternum is the size of a five-pence piece because it's now the bottom of the sternum. But it is an opt-in regulation from World Rugby and the RFU have decided to opt-in. Well, what they've done is they've rode back, haven't they, from 
the waist. I still think it should be armpit or nipple. Jim mentioned it then around player participation levels are down. They're going to go down even more, I think. You know, I do a lot of speeches at rugby clubs. There's an issue in the professional game around the impacts of the head injuries because of the power of the professional players. You drop it down to amateur level, it's nowhere near. People at clubs are saying there's hardly any head collisions because there's not, you know, that power behind people trying to run into a tackle and hit high up top. It's just the power level is completely different. So I think what they're trying to do is fix a problem that is in the elite game, but they're actually implementing it at the amateur level where it's going to be really hard to referee, I think. The pictures that came out, they're talking about going lower in the tackle. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah. They're dressing it up as, we're going to make the game more exciting because there'll be more offloads. But actually, when you're talking about the concussion element to it and the head collisions, one of the pictures, you've got two defenders going in low. They're just going to bang heads. <laughs> so you're going to get more sort of knees to heads and heads to heads on the two tacklers. I would say, if I may, for the people involved in this and the players and the teams and the coaches and the clubs... Just give it a chance because I don't think there'll be a huge shift. I think the referees, I think people know the coaches. It's a subtle shift. I think if you look at it, if you go, if you're going specifically and we're sat here and you're looking at them ridiculous pictures that the RFU posted, if you actually think about it properly, it isn't a huge, huge shift. It's kind of it'll be subjective by the referee. A high tackle is a high tackle. They're obvious, right? The base, the sternum isn't obvious. So you hope that the judgment caused by the referees and everyone involved in this is like, well, who knows if that's the bottom of the sternum or the middle of the sternum. So I just think for people that are worried about it and all the uproar, just give it a chance. Don't walk away from your rugby club or walk away from coaching or refereeing because of something we're talking about, a matter of inches. Let's just see how it unfolds. Premiership playoffs, the picture's confirmed now. London Irish's defeat at Saracens mean we know who's in the top four. Is there a big issue now that there's no jeopardy involved in the Premiership? In terms of relegation? Mm. In terms of Newcastle having their biggest ever home defeat on a Friday night, 66 points? I'm going to make a statement. If there's relegation, there's not a chance in the world that Newcastle lose by that margin at home to Northampton. We're talking about emotions of rugby. You need to be on the edge emotionally. and if, Even if you're 5% off, you see an absolute hosing, don't you? And how much was there in that for that Newcastle game? People are talking about the emotion of players leaving. The club's changed a lot, Newcastle has. The, there's a slight ownership change and leadership change up there. We've seen a lot of good people leave and a lot of good people, really good people, are leaving the club now. There's all the rumours about Newcastle potentially dropping down to the champ to make it a 10-team premiership and a 10-team championship. It's incredibly sad. It's a club I love playing for, but without the jeopardy, I'm not questioning the player's effort, but you need that emotional energy and that emotional desire to to put in a performance. And when it's a dead rubber game for them, there's not that much in it, is there? And it, it goes back to when, I think back to London Welsh when they were in the league. And they, they were relegated from day one pretty much because of the the way that they didn't have much time to put a squad together and a stadium and all this stuff. And they weren't expected to win the championship playoff against Bristol at the time. And they lost... You know, a huge amount of games on the spin. I can't remember whether they won a game or not. They might have won one. But it was inevitable that they were going down. So there was no jeopardy that year, really, for the other teams. And Newcastle, because there's no relegation. And I'm an advocate for relegation and promotion. I've always said it. And that's why you get dead rubbers that are 60-odd points at the end of a season, which make a, a huge difference in the bigger picture further down the line. 
I thought it was embarrassing. The fall from grace of the English Premiership at the minute is a real shame to see. And part of that is, like you've just said, is the relegation element. Newcastle, notoriously a tough place to go and play. You kind of maybe patched over it a bit there. Goody, I know they're going through changes. It feels like the wheels have completely fallen off. They've lost yeah. Dave Walder mid-season. Uh, they're losing players mid-season. George McGuigan goes to Gloucester halfway through the year. Joe Davidson gone to Saints. Adam Radwan, man. I'm watching him carving up for Newcastle and everyone's talking about him. Get your jet shoes, mate. You're off to Cornish Pirates. You ain't going to be running like that, are you? In mud up to your knees. Should he leave Newcastle, do you think? I think he should. I think if that's their appetite, I, I do wonder. I've not really spoke to many people from Newcastle, if any at all. It's the rumours that you hear. As a young English player and a talent like Adam Radwan, if you're carving up the majority of the time that you get the ball and when you go out there, you're on the big screen, yet the club's appetite and their desire isn't matching yours of wanting to play for England. I don't know why. Radwan's re-signed, right? So, mm. And Callum Chick has as well. But what are they being told? Yeah. So what are they being fed as players? So when you speak about it like that, you think about it like that, good young English players coming through the system, what's Borthwick saying to them? Mm. But then that's the thing with the premiership now, with the salary caps, where could a Radwan or a Callum Chick go? I'm watching that and I'm watching Radwan. I'm like, this is amazing how you're playing. You look amazing. You look quick, really exciting. There's a good chance that you're going to have to do this in the championship. Now, let's not forget, the championship don't even have a TV deal. So no one's seeing it unless someone's got a 8K camera that they can film it and bang it online after. Hey, don't diss the champo. I played in that. You played in it when it was good, Goody. I'm not saying it's not good now, but you talk about the wheels falling off. The wheels have fallen off there. I've, you don't see anything about the champ. You, at least we've got to see some stuff on TV. And again, the, you talk about the jeopardy. There was promotion. Yeah. So there was the excitement at the top. The game at the weekend, who was it? Jersey and Ealing, I think, were are fighting it out for the top of the league. I ain't seen anything about it. I just think it's a shame where Newcastle have gone. Everyone speaks about the beacon of the north. It's a real shame. I, I've loved Newcastle, but that relegation battle that they were always in, it was exciting. But something clearly is not right at that club. And if you're Adam Radwan, man, Callum Chick, just to name two, and all your mates are leaving, and the club's ambition is completely zero, what do they do? Where do they go? In fairness to Saints, it's not all about doom and gloom, Newcastle. It was very sad to see. But Saints were very good. Alex Mitchell is on fire. Collins as well on the wing. I've always rated him. He's leaving Northampton in the year. He is class every time I see him play. Credit to Saints, they were outstanding. You had Northampton in your top four going back to the beginning of the season. Remember we were talking about who it was going to be. Did you have Sale in or not? I don't think I went for Sale. I think I put Quinns in instead. I got three out of the four. Yeah, I got three out of four as well. So the, the final eight is now sorted in the URC. How do you think the top four in the premiership will get on in the URC as far as quality goes? Top four in the Prem would be comfortably in the top eight in the URC. Agreed. It's a difficult question because you look at the weekend's games in the URC, Leinster put out their third team down at the balls. Who takes 60? Leinster, apparently. <laughs> Not apparently, definitely. They did. Disrespecting the competition, Leinster. But this is the whole thing. I was over in Leinster. I mentioned at the beginning of the show and we'll come back to Andy Rowe's question. They've got a European Cup semi-final at the weekend. If the URC was more competitive for Leinster, imagine having to go down to the Blue Balls in South Africa, back up in that game, and then travel back with your knees around your head to then 
play a European Cup. I don't reckon Lens to travel with their knees around their head, Jim. No, very true. Even the under-14s. Yeah. But either way, they're travelling. <laughs> either way, they're travelling. And see me, I had a yeah. slip of the tongue again. At what point? Are we? Maybe we've got the responsibility. I'm saying European Cup. I can't get European Cup out of my head, but... Champions Cup. It's Champions Cup. Is it called Champions Cup, though, or is there, are we having to change... It's the Heineken Champions Cup, James. So it's not... There's no Europe involved at all, because even Pat Lamb was talking about Europe on BT... New. Rugby Tonight. He was saying for teams to be competitive in Europe. It would be interesting, Andy Rowe's question, when you look at that top eight, like who fits into that. So you've got Leinster first, Ulster second, Stormers, Glasgow, Munster, Bulls, Connor and Sharks. Like Saracens, definitely. Sale... They'd be in and around the top two or three as well. It's a good question, but it's a hard one to, to look at, isn't it? You know what you should do is have five premiership teams, just five premiership teams, all your best players and five premiership teams, chuck them in the URC. You've got a hell of a competition. What about all the other six premiership clubs? Just put them all into, into franchises. Such a Kiwi thing to do. Just get rid of teams and just go, franchises, yeah, mate. Yeah, They're all dying anyway. You're diluting the game. Look, how, how well Super Rugby doing? Diluted as fuck. Andrew, that's what I mean. I watched yeah. the Blues at the weekend. Who were the Blues playing against? The Waratahs. Yeah. Oh, I watched yeah. a bit of that at the weekend. Then must Can have you, been... Mr. Ruggers? Well, Mr. Well, no, Ruggers. No, it was just on in the background with the kids because it was on eight in the morning. I'm watching that and there's about four people in the crowd and they've got Bowden Barrett's playing, Rico Ioane, I mean, just to name two. So Tutu's playing as well. I didn't know any of the Australian lads playing for the Waratahs, I have to be honest. But I'm thinking, we're all talking about the Prem. At least a lot of the crowds are close to selling out. Why is there no fans? Got no fans. There's never any fans at Eden Park unless it's a final. Oh, and, and the Waratahs, who's going to turn up and watch the Waratahs? Blame it on the Australian teams. There you go. He's blaming anything but the Crusaders, right? You're not even top of the league, mate. We've had injuries. All four have been the top of the URC. Well, Saints made it into the top four. After hammering Newcastle, we've talked about that. Do you think they have any chance of beating Saris? Yeah. Oh, and no. It's one of them. It's really hard to look at Saracens at the minute and and work out, have they been dented and damaged by what happened to La Rochelle? Well, they have because they've lost Billy. And that first 20 minutes of Saracens game against London Irish, you're like, geez, they're properly off the boil. And then the big players turn it around and by the end of the game, you're like, Saracens are absolutely mustered again. So Saints, if they can play and compete in terms of the physicality, they've got a game that could really test Saracens because they do put some lovely shapes on. The issue for Saints is understanding how to manage a game. We've always said this about Saints. They get to a big game. You know, they had the semi-final last year against Leicester and they put on some really good stuff. Going to Saracens is the ultimate challenge. They've not lost a game there all season. I don't think they've been beaten since 2022 at the Stonex in the Premiership. Without Billy, they're a little bit vulnerable but not too much because they look bloody good in that second half. So I think Saints can cause them trouble. And Jim, you've said it yourself, haven't you? That sometimes they are a bit of a bogey team or is it just London Irish for Saris? I thought it was London Irish have been the bogey team. And I mean, for the first half of that game, that you could see how dangerous they are with ball in hand. And I think you've been quite nice to Saracens there, Goody. I don't think they've been very good the last few weeks. I'll be honest, I've seen a few chinks in the armour the big thing for me, the emotion and not starting games well, they just seem really off. Like the big players seem really off. Like the accuracy, the energy around that. We've seen Marrow drop balls. I don't think I've seen Marrow drop any ball. He dropped two. I think he watched your highlights package before the game. Yeah, but they come off my head. Not me. I didn't, I didn't knock them on. But you go back to that London Irish game, they'd already got into the top four. Likelihood is they had a home semi anyway and I think they wanted to put a statement of intent down against London Irish because they know that London Irish are a bogey team for them Saracen's motivation in that game would have been A they did them in around Christmas time didn't they at the GTEC and B it was like 
if we lose to them now, we've got to play them again in the semi-final probably. So did put them to bed. And the second half was great. Momentum swings in rugby are huge. Mm. And emotion and turning points, massive turning point just before half-time. Yellow card. Alex Goode scores a try. Should never have been a try in a month of Sundays. What? And I'll explain why. Not a knock-on. They looked at it. Max Malins has got the ball. He's on the floor. He pushes it back. And, they, you know, they checked it for the knock-on, didn't they, Jim? Mm. And they said, no, no, it's come off his knee. So it's come, I think it came off Farrell's knee or something like that. Not Van Ziel's hand, but it's come off Farrell's knee. And then Max Malins has played the ball again on the floor. And you talk about Jack Nolan's tweets, no comment. But Max Malins plays it again on the floor once it's come off Farrell's knee into him. Therefore, it's an accidental offside. And it wasn't a knock-on, but they've checked it with the TMO. And Adam Leal's the referee. I like Adam Leal as a referee. New boy to the to the scene a little bit in terms of he's not been one of the top dogs like Carly and all the other boys, Luke Pierce and, and that stuff. But Just on that, apparently his Chinese tattoo on his arm says referee until I die. That's what it says. Really? Hashtag love the whistle. That's what the Chinese <laughs> tattoo says on the arm. And you're Chinese, so you can read it, Jim, well, of right? course I can. Yeah, it might be Mandarin though, but I can only read Cantonese. <laughs> you know, momentum swing. The TMO made a big error because it gave Saracens that big lift just before half time and... I'm not saying Saracens wouldn't have won the game, but emotion and momentum and swings just before half-time, a try like that makes a big difference going into half-time. So TMO's got it wrong. Find me 10 grand. I'm not a player though, so you can't. I'm so glad they didn't give that uh, just out of the intricacies of the game. I'm just so glad they didn't give that as offside. Even though, It's an obvious one though. Well, not that it's obvious if I don't get it, but it's just let it go. If you're going to check it though, and you see something like that, you've got to go with it, haven't you? I know, big couple of statements. One of them's not that big. But having watched that game, I know that Benno carved up and was phenomenal. He's, mate, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Tom Pearson is going to start for England in the back row, I reckon, for the World Cup. And I also reckon Theo Dan is an outside How good is he? bolter, belter. I've heard loads of good stuff about him. I think he came on against Ospreys and made about five errors in the space of 20 minutes. But I've heard he's really good. I thought he was brilliant. When you think about what's coming through at Hooker for England, not that they're shit what's coming through, I think he's that good, that powerful. I think he'll be the England World Cup squad. So Tom Pearson, obvious one. I think he starts in the World Cup in the back row. Could put him at six. And then Theo Dan as well, be an outside bet. One of the big things out of that Irish series game was that massive tackle. Waboom. It was a waboom. Fatasol, what a hit on Hugh Tizard. Saw him come. You talk about monster tackles. You talk about perfect timing. You talk about the bottom of the sternum. Basically popping out your ass. Have a look at this tackle. <laughs> it's come out his mouth, isn't it? It has. It's, well, it's, it's either way. It's come out of his somewhere, and it's probably split in half. That is what you call a textbook tackle. Reading it right and implementing power and aggression on another human being wouldn't have affected me. They got so much padding around the ribs, but he, genuinely, if he God. hit you, you could have exploded. Like, as in <laughs> burst. What would you have done? probably would have dropped the ball Andrew (laughs) (laughs) it might have been a late hit I don't know you're a bag of bones the bag of bones would have just gone yeah yeah 118 can you guys remember a time where you've ever been emptied out like that obviously a few times it's happened didn't happen much but I remember playing against South Africa and I've made a beeline for the oldest player I thought he was 45 Osterant and I have ran Route one China, you could say China back then. Route one China. You played against Osterant. Yeah, I played against Osterant, yeah. And basically, I've thought, this old fucker's having it. And I have run. <laughs> this old fucker's having it. It literally felt like a little forklift truck. That's what it felt like. And I exploded. So, 
that happened. I think I broke my rib in that one as well. So you picked out one of the greatest, if not the greatest front row of all time and ran at him. I weren't thinking greatest. I was thinking oldest. <laughs> like this is, they were fully loaded. Like Bacchus Botha, Matt Field, John Smith, Scout Berger, Piers Spice. I mean, who else are you going to run at? I had to go down on a knee and do my shoelace up because I was that winded. <laughs> <laughs> it happened to me twice, actually, and both times I got sparked out. So in this day and age, the tackle would have been very illegal and red carded. So I'm playing for Saracens back in the glory days against London Irish. Ryan Strudwick, remember him, second row? He was a very good player at London Irish, actually. We cut back to the blind side and he came from my blind side. As I've caught the ball, he's just put me into next week, stretched it off. It wasn't the ribs being emptied, it was the brain. It was all over the floor, effectively. Got stretched off, woke up in the changing rooms. And then another time I was playing for Leicester, 2v1. We've made a wicked break. Not me, I'm chasing the break, waddling up there. I was probably, wasn't even chasing it. I was probably stuck from the last ruck about five minutes ago. But anyway, get up, 2v1, I think I'm going to score. Martin Madden, tighter prop. Have a look at him. He was a monster back in the day. Just comes from nowhere, ends me. Sparko again. It was a bit more brutal back in our day with the head high tackles. But yeah, two times when you're getting absolutely ended, wasn't good fun. Johnny Wilkinson did it to me as well against Newcastle. You got snapped by Johnny Wilkinson. He can hit. I barreled him once. What do you mean you barreled him? Well, literally, he's coming to give me a big hit and I've given him the full belly. <laughs> and he sat down. <laughs> it was when I was playing for Saracens and Flats, but David Flatman was playing. I've given him the full belly, sat him down. And Flats is like, go on, go to your fat shit. <laughs> and then I fell over. Uh, it was so, fainted. Yeah. yeah. Well, I played against him and I ran at him at the back line. Henry Tulang had gone off injured. And they're like, Jim, can you can you run in the back line off the five man? Leo Cullen straight up in the middle. Down off nine, Harry Ellis, Jim Hamilton of all people, straight into Johnny Wilkinson, wham-bow, you fucker, and absolutely, <laughs> my head's gone back, and the whiplash <laughs> in me toes. But I didn't mind because he was one of the greatest, so I don't mind yeah. stuff like that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they line up when they take on Saints in the semi-finals. And one of the men that have been key to Saints making the top four in the Premiership this season, fly half Finn Smith, joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, lads. How are we going, all right? Finn? We're all good, mate. We'll come on to the Northampton stuff and the Premiership stuff. More thinking forward to the future. But we've got Ireland and South Africa in our pool to beat. Confident? <laughs> oh, I, knew, I knew this was coming. The way coming. Jim, you're English. Hey, Scotland till I die, as is young Finn after today's call. Are you up for it or what? <laughs> I think my dad's been trying to push me down that route since I was born, but now unfortunately we're at... Uh... We've seen the light and we're uh, we're very English at the moment. Nice, Jim. Uh, he's got a name called Finn. You aren't that English, mate. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I know. I think I was actually named after Finley Calder himself. So uh, a bit, bit, bit of a traitor on that front. But nah, all good, thanks. <laughs> all good for now. You've got to let him go, Jim. He's English. Well, you say that. Is the door completely closed on you playing for Scotland? Uh, yeah, definitely is for now. Definitely is for now. For so, now. Uh, I love that. I think it is. It definitely is for now. I just had to ask Finn because, look, you know, just doing a bit of natural research into you, you're a young lad coming on the scene and there is a change of guard sometimes we've seen players 
that choose one team and then play for another team. You know, we've got Jack Dempsey, for example, just to name one, with Scotland play for Australia and now he plays for Scotland. Yeah, Gary Graham went into England camp, Scotland camp, England camp, and then he's Scottish and hates the English again. But I didn't want to put too much pressure on you. It was more a little bit tongue-in-cheek because you are carving up playing for Northampton, which is great to see. <laughs> Right, thank you, thank you. That's as good as apology as you get from Jim Hamilton, basically. He said he's sorry <laughs> for, for trying to make you Scottish when you're fully English. I'm going to ask you about something else, though, because in the same vein, you're a Warwick schoolboy, yep. a Warwick lad, Bromsgrove, way better, right? No way. That's an, Come on, mate. That's an easy Saturday's work, that Warwick Bromsgrove. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Bromsgrove schoolboy, and we used to batter Warwick for fun, so uh, there we Times go. Times must have changed since your day, mate. Times must have changed. <laughs> oh, they have. <laughs> Happy days. Big win on Friday night up in Newcastle. Bit of a team run looked like from watching. Did you get a night out in the tune afterwards? We didn't. We didn't. We were straight on the bus home. Strictly business in Northampton. But now, on a serious note, it was it was a real relief to get that done. We'd obviously been on the receiving end of a hiding a few weeks before that against Bristol. So it was nice to be on the the other end of a result like that. And I finally think we put in a, an eighty minute performance that we'd been sort of banging the drum about what we could give. So, no, delighted to get that over. And obviously a big game in terms of the playoffs and the top four runs. So, yeah, real weight off the shoulder and delighted to have got that over the line. Yeah, there's been some real momentum with Northampton. Great team to watch. It must be brilliant to play in. But for you personally, there's been a natural change of guard, but also with Biggs, friend of the show, Dan Bigger, leaving mid-season, that has kind of given you the real opportunity to kind of take the reins at 10. Did Dan say anything before he left? I know you had a quite a nice relationship with him. Yeah, yeah. We're still still briefly in touch now. He messages every so often and checks how I'm going. So he's he's a legend for that. But it was it was bizarre, sort of turned up and by my second day he was off for a scan and then <laughs> didn't come back, I don't think, until uh sort of his leaving gig. So obviously a very strange time, but I just think it's worked out really well for me. So delighted that was gone. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously the start of the season you're at Worcester, effectively a Worcester lad, a Bromsgrove lad as well, we'll call you that. Obviously it's very sad to see what happened to Worcester, but for you it's been Unbelievable. Who'd have thought you'd have been playing, hopefully you're going to be playing, in the Premiership semi-finals in a few weeks at the start of the year when you're at Worcester and what a crazy season. Hey? Been involved with England as well at the Six Nations in the, in the squad and all that stuff. Do you pinch yourself sometimes at how the season's actually gone? Yeah, I know. You all know what it's like, but when you're at Worcester or somewhere like that, you pretty much can have your summer holidays booked before the season started because you don't really have to think this far down the line. So it's been been a real nice change sort of being involved in the top four stuff obviously with the result yesterday that's been pretty cool but as you say like sort of roller coaster ride but it's ended up pretty well for me I had the chance going into camp which you mentioned which was great and something that probably when we were scrambling around trying to find a few pennies here and there from the owners we probably I probably wouldn't have had to think about so no nah, it's, it's, it's gone it's gone amazingly for me this season and in comparison to where it could have been and yeah Super fortunate how it's all gone. Yeah. Let's stick with the attack then, not my forte, but clearly yours and Northampton's. As a young man, how much say do you get in that? How much scope does Sam Vesti let you kind of grow and input your opinion? Yeah, it was all it was all pretty clear in how, how he wants to play. Luckily me and me and Vesti see things pretty similarly, but he's happy for me to add input and sort of pipe up in meetings whenever I see see best. But we've uh we've got a real good group of sort of young backs and we all are pretty relaxed and happy to sort of get stuck into each other or even tell each other when we've done something well, so so it's good. And yeah, we're we're pretty relaxed and we we just go about our business, sort of how we've been how we've been going all season. I think it's maybe come to the shock of some some fans that we've we've made the top four, but we've been super confident about how we've been going and know that we've got 
got a, definitely a big performance in us and hopefully hopefully another big performance to come. It's been amazing. I put you in the top four. Jim didn't, by the way, at the start of the season. Um, just, to, just to clear you up. No, you didn't, you didn't even say fifth, Jim, I don't think. But you talk about attack and you talk about how much fun you boys look like you're having. And it is fun when you've got some of the players outside you, some of the threats that you've got. I want to talk to you about Sam Vesti because you've obviously known him for a while. Probably knew him as well at Worcester back in the day. We know him very well. Is he called the bogey monster by the players because he picks his nose on TV and eats it? He's a hanging individual and he's got big red nuts as well, hasn't he, Jim? Yes. He he's not called the bogey monster, but he is an absolute rugby geek. And he I don't think he's switched off from from the day he was born, to be honest. But um, no, I think that's why we're we're so lucky to have him. He's he's an unbelievable coach and he's actually been running a lot of our defence recently as well, which is hopefully one of the reasons that we're starting to defend a little bit better. But he's he's funny and I've heard many stories about him grilling his eight-year-old, ten-year-old kids about not, not follow through in on their passes and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what he's like as a dad, but no, we're, we're super lucky to have him. Um, he's left us in a really good spot with our attack this year. So nah, he's a legend. Goody mentioned before here, he's talking about how good your shape is looking. Can you just talk us through the philosophy of your shape and your attacking philosophies at Saints? Yeah, so it's weird. One of the first things Vesti said to me when I joined is we've got shape, but the only reason we have it is to try and sort of get out of shape. So You'll see us running these patterns and all of this, but that's just so we can hopefully get a few opportunities to come out of that and do that sort of jouer-jouer stuff that um, some guys might associate us with. So that's that's all that's all that's designed for, hopefully, is just to try and give us a bit of front football. And then after that, it's all just sort of playing heads up rugby, playing what you see. And that's when you get guys like Mitch and Fremo and Rambo and all those guys just, just carving up, which is what we've been so good at. Can you just give us that quote again? Because that fits really nicely in with Andy Goode's metaphor for life. What 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 was it about the shape again? <laughs> Shape's just there to get you out of shape. <laughs> there you go. Me and Sam Vesti. You, you get in shape to get out of shape. Is that right? I'll live by that now. Also, Phil Dowson, a lad that we've played against many, many years ago, has now taken the range. Don't hear much about him. See him doing the interviews. Obviously, Boydie was fronting a lot of the stuff. How's Phil Dowson as the head man, the lead man. Yeah, he's great. He he runs most of the sort of meetings and all the big conversations and then Vesti sort of runs the the on-pitch stuff. But it's been great having him. He's obviously just recently retired, so he, he sort of massively gets what it's like to be one of the players and has sort of managed the the emotion side of it really well over the last few weeks especially. And we're probably not the team that plays best when we're under massive pressure, so he's been great in sort of recognising that we're just shackles off. Let's go out there and have fun, and and that's hopefully been been a big part of why we've performed quite well over the last few weeks. And interestingly, now for for the listeners, we're recording sort of the the Monday after your last league game of the season. You've now got three weeks until the semi final, right? So you're playing against Saris. We all know that now. Yeah, it's European Cup semi finals this weekend. The next weekend is the last round of the Premiership, and then what what are you doing for the next? You're off on holidays for a bit, or what? Because it's a really hard balance, isn't it, between playing. Not having a game, but not beasting the lads, not making it pre-season, keeping your emotions in check, but also get yourself ready for a game in three weeks. Yeah, we've got a bit of a friendly against Leicester this Saturday. I don't quite know what selection is going to look like for that. Maybe it'll be a sort of half half of the boys hopefully expected to play in the semi-final and then a half for some of the other guys. I don't think you'll be seeing Courtney Laws out there, I tell you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but now we'll keep ticking over. I'd imagine we've got a bit of a blowout Saturday night, which will be sort of like an end of end of season do. That'll be probably a big, big like social do. And then it'll probably be into the nitty gritty stuff after that, sort of building into a, a what's going to be a big get, big game down at the Stonex. And then that means potentially, all being well, you'll be up against Owen Farrell at 10. How do you look at something like that? How do you view someone like Owen Farrell? 
yeah, it's a cool challenge. Obviously, he was unbelievable again yesterday, but obviously hoping that Saris would do us a favour on Saturday against Irish. And must admit, when, as soon as you see their team sheet come out, he's the first guy you look for whenever he's playing. You you know you're getting a good performance out of Saris in terms of how he's going to drive them and he's so competitive. So, no, nah, it's going to be a good challenge and hopefully a guy we can get stuck into. And But, no, nah, you know what he's like. He's an unbelievable player. So it'd be great to get out there and hopefully learn a thing or two from him. Is he a player as a youngster that you have grown up aspiring to or is there a fly half that you've aspired to and modelled your game on at all? <clears throat> nah, big big Owen fan. Obviously, he was great with me when I went into camp and I'm really happy to answer sort of loads of questions. It was cool to sort of have a bit of a kick with him and Marcus every week. Um, <clears throat> Goody, of course. There you go. <laughs> I just want to say, Finn, that's because he's pointing. He's got in your psyche. So just for the listeners, Andy Good was pointing at himself as he was saying it. But keep going, Finn. And the cough. No, no, that's completely off my own back. But yeah, big Owen fan. Watched a lot of Johnny Wilkerson growing up. He's a bit of a legend. And sort of more recently, Finn Russell has been pretty exciting to watch. So those are some of the guys I'd say, yeah. Okay, as a Warwick schoolboy, growing up, playing the game, you said you mentioned Johnny Wilkerson. Did you ever have a pair of gloves? That's all I need to know. I did. I did. Andy there you Good go, inspired. lads. Andy Good inspired. Fingertips out, gloves on. Can't go wrong. And what's the psyche like within the team? There is history between the two teams. I know it's a few years back, but in that final where Northampton nicked it at the end in extra time. But there's a bit of history there. Are the lads kind of brewing up to that? Guys like Courtney Laws, are they saying much? We're sort of quietly confident that, I'd say. We obviously had a pretty disappointing last 20 when we paid them earlier in the season when we probably should have got that game home and dry we were we were up pretty pretty comfortably and let it slip and then we had a good win against them a couple of weeks ago so I think we're we're relishing the opportunity it's uh it's a massive game we always said as a group if we can get into this top four the way we play is it's anyone's game I think um the style we play going in as underdogs probably suits us so we're just going to go out there and try and have fun and enjoy the occasion and hopefully spoil the party a little bit definitely and then obviously you get to the semi-final, hopefully for you boys, the final. Hopefully you lose to Leicester in the final as well. That's just coming from me being a Leicester <laughs> ambassador. Let's talk about the World Cup as well, because obviously being in the squad for the Six Nations with Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell, there's going to be a training squad announced. Have you, have you had much contact with both of us since the end of the Six Nations or has he just said, go back to your club and do your thing? Yeah, we had a we had a sort of alignment day a couple of weeks ago. There was a big group of players at that and sort of got all the dates and sort of what he wants from us and then sort of got some development programs off the back of that and what, what he wants me to get better at but no I'd love to be involved in that some of that obviously as you say got some pretty stiff competition in Marcus Owen and George Ford obviously coming back playing very well at the moment but no any any time I get to go into one of those camps and learn is just awesome for me at the minute I'm just grateful to get opportunity and hopefully in the in the near future or whenever it might present itself I'll get a chance to run out there but no I'd love to get involved and uh, not expecting anything massive, but no, um, it would be great to just have a few weeks to just go in and train and show what I can do. Well, I'm going to speak to Gregor Townsend and make sure that he sends you a Scotland kit bag, maybe with an <laughs> iPad in, something like that. Pretty clear, Jim. Sign ball. A pin. Nice kilt. He'll put a, he wants a kilt. He just said kilt. We'll put a kilt in there as well. <laughs> Get a signed Scotland ball from Hugo Southwell and then you're in. You're convinced. <laughs> what did Bortha say that you need to work on? He wants me peppering my spiral bombs. Actually, that's the that was the first thing on my list. So I'll be I'll be down the local park trying to figure out how to kick those over the next few weeks. So if you're anywhere near the park, those balls could be going anywhere. So I'll be I'll be ducking. But now I'll be trying to trying to figure that out. Hopefully, mate, amazing. Wish you all the best for the semi. Not so much for the final if you're playing Leicester, <laughs> as I'm a Leicester boy through and through. And you're a Warwick lad that always lost to Bromsgrove. <laughs> I was at a wedding in Warwick actually last week. There was a pub in town. Old Levertonians, oh, lads, worked there. 
what's it called? The Ro- Roebuck? The Roebuck. Know. The Roebuck. Have you got looked after, Jim? I was. I was in there. They had a gluten-free burger and I had a few in there. I did enjoy it. They were asking for you. And they said that we get this Scottish lad who plays for Northampton in regularly. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. Cheers, Finn. Legend, mate. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Thanks, nice Finn. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Finn. See you later. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Top lad. Top lad. I think he's Scottish. He's not, mate. Yeah, he did say he was Scottish, though, didn't he? Or was that? He definitely I, didn't, Jim. He didn't. Oh, okay, right. He didn't fully close the door, though. He said, "For now, for now." It's the Oasis, like definitely, maybe one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, he's saying if he doesn't make England, there's a possibility. Imagine the season, though, right? You start out at Worcester, you end up in those meetings where you're not getting paid, and the club goes bust that you've come through and all that stuff. Then you go to Saints, and you're thinking, "Oh, damn, bigger." Two days in at Saints, damn, bigger shaking around saying, "See you later." And you, the man, that he has been the man as well, hasn't he? I remember chatting to a Saints fan earlier in the season. And he's like, what a signing Finn Smith will be. And I was like, yeah, long term. Obviously, you know, you've got Dan Bigger, one of the best in the world. Next thing you know, Dan Bigger's off and he steps up to the plate, done exceptionally well. Imagine if he got to the World Cup squad and then he kicks the drop goal or something to win it because other people 
you know, I've got injured or whatever and he's there, you could write a movie on that. Netflix, get involved. But that's one of the things now, the positives of the salary cap stuff and we've seen the change of mindset, I suppose, with the clubs of what they want to do. Like Dan Bigger, halfway through the season, would ne- never have happened before, goes to Toulon. You've got a young English, oh, I hate to say it, but he is, young English lad coming through, getting that opportunity. Like that is the one big positive. So whether or not that converts, but you can have a look across that. You know, London Irish have got the same load of good young English lads coming through. Northampton, one of the best teams. They've got a lot of English talent, haven't they, that they play. Mm. So one positive. Sale confirmed a home semi with their win at Gloucester. That's worked hard defensively, didn't they? Yeah, nuggety. A nuggety victory. And they've come good towards the end of the season. George Ford is playing exceptionally well. Jim said it quite a lot on here. You want to be good. You want to be big. Get a few South Africans. They've got a few South Africans that are strong players. The Curry twins, John O'Ross is English, but he's South African, but he's English, but he's from South Africa as well. You know, these are physical monsters. The Curry boys are ridiculous. But the smallest player on their team had the biggest impact this weekend, I think. Rafi. Nope. I thought he was good when he came on at night. He was very good. He was very good. But do you see Lewis Reece Summit just jogging one in casually, Jim? Yeah. Aaron Reed, smallest bloke on the field, covers about 55 metres to get across. Lewis Reece Summit, I think, and I'm going to say it, probably just thought, ah, oh, I'm quicker than anyone else here. I can just jog this one in. Aaron Reed comes across, blitzes him into touch, foot goes into touch, no try. Great tackle. Yeah, unbelievable. So, listen, Sale and Alex Sonson said it after the game, they were under pressure. They had to defend a lot and they had to stay disciplined. Discipline has been their issue previously. Still though, even in that game, it is their Achilles heel. It is their Achilles heel that they might get caught out on. But, you know, a nuggety win away at Gloucester and Gloucester were, you know, full bore in that game, you know, in terms of trying to win it. It wasn't a dead rubber for Gloucester because they need to get in the top eight. So they're doing everything they can to win it and they probably should have won it. You know, 17-10 up with, you know, 10 minutes to go, whatever it was. And ironically, I feel awful saying this, Ben Morgan. That kick. Was playing his last game at King's Home. You talk about emotions, right? He's got the ball on the edge of the 22 and given it full whack, booted it down the field. Looked all right. As in the shape of the shape of the kick was all right. Yeah, but everyone gives him the ironic cheer because it's a forward kick in it, right? Obviously, loads of Gloucester fans. Massive cheer goes in. 30 seconds later, from the kick, Sale have scored. Skinned. Yeah, <laughs> get skinned and Sale have scored. And at that point, they were 17-10 up. Dodgy kick in the end. Just don't, if you're a forward, don't kick it. Don't kick it. Just truck it up, Ben. Unless you're Ben Earl. Yeah, unless you're Ben Earl, you can do what you want. That was a hell of a nudge as well, by the way. But yeah, I mean, Sale are with George Ford back, Manu, you know, the big South African boys they've got, the Dupree boys up front, John O'Ross. You know, they've got a good set piece. Aka van der Merver at hooker. The Curry boys are just ridiculous beasts, aren't they? Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. And the way they play, the style of rugby that they play, yeah. because it is defensive-led, they can beat anyone on their day. It's the first time Sale have had a home semi-final since they beat us in the final in 2006, where Jim Hamilton scored a try. <laughs> was that playoffs back then as well? Yeah, it was a playoff final, Jim. We were massive favourites and we got hosed. Take a look at the URC. Die Young, suspended by Cardiff. What's happened? What has happened? What do you guys know? Has he done a Dominic Raab? What's happened? I mean, it shows the mess of Welsh rugby, right? A couple of days before Judgment Day in Wales, and the judgment has been handed out that you're suspending Die Young. I think you know people have, as a few people, complained about the way he's treated them. But we live in this environment where I'm not saying either side's right or wrong, but we live in an environment now where it's very easy to say, "Don't talk to me like that. I'm being bullied." 
So I don't know, and it's not fair for me to comment on. What I do know is Thomas Young's son yes. played exceptionally well for Cardiff at the weekend under immense duress because his dad's been suspended as the head coach. How hard's that? Thomas Young's a lovely bloke, an amazing rugby player. And to park all that emotion of what, you know, imagine him going to the club garden, uh, Dye's been suspended. That, that's my dad. You've played under Dye, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. What's he like? He's a brilliant bloke to me. I saw how, you know, he was a hard taskmaster. Old school. Yeah, but he was amazing to me as a bloke. It also ended my wasp career because he, he signed Jimmy Gopeth and said, you, you can't go in front of the season. And he was 100% right. I didn't like it. He said to me, pulled me in the office one day and he said, Goody, uh, it's just before training, afternoon session where it was a bit of contact. He's like, I need to pull you in the office. I was like, okay. Um, what was it, Sweets? And he's like, no, no, just want to tell you, we're not going to offer you a contract to play next year. I went, you what? He said, uh, yeah, uh, we've signed Jimmy Gopeth, um, but I'm going to want to offer you a coach's job. Now, you're going to hate me for a couple of weeks because you'll feel like I'm ending your career. He said, that's okay, but hopefully at some point you realise, from my perspective as the head coach at Wasp, I've got to do what's best for the club. And, you know, Jimmy Gopeth is available. He's better than you. He's younger than you. He's fitter than you. He was right. Everything he said was true. But for a week, I hated him because he effectively ended my career. And then I saw, see the bigger picture. But he was great to me. Lovely bloke. I saw how hard he you know, drove people to make themselves better day in, day out. But, you know, I, I don't know what's going on at Cardiff. It's a big shame because I've got a lot of respect for the bloke. And I hope, you know, things get sorted and, you know, he either gets a payout or, you know, he gets to leave with his own dignity and the way he wants to and goes into another job because he's a, he's a good bloke. Jim, what's happened to... Edinburgh, because they oh. lost to Ulster and they finished 12th, only hit a zebra in three Welsh regions. What's going on? Yeah, not great. Lost 12 this season. You've not heard me say hashtag always Edinburgh much this year, have you? So I think the headline thing about it all is Mike Blair leaving. He's come out and said that... Where's he going? I think he might stay as a tack coach. I, I don't really know. One of the things with Mike Blair, he's been out there and he said it, he doesn't want to make the big decisions that a head of rugby or a director of rugby has to make. He doesn't want to be sacking people. He doesn't want to be talking about contracts, all that kind of stuff that goes with it. I think he wants to coach on the field. Like He's a brilliant attack coach with anyone that you speak to. And I think the pressures of being the head guy, because it's not just about coaching, isn't it? Like you know, We've had coaches on here before, the finances, everything that goes with that, managing up with the SRU or the RFU or whoever it may be. He wants to coach. He's a young man. He's, you know, 40, 41, mm. might be 42. And that's not what he wants to do. But they've got Steve Diamond in there now who's been working with them a bit. Is he the right fit for Edinburgh? I'm not 100% sure. It, it feels like a bit of a Richard Cockrell style around Steve Diamond. You know, is it a stopgap for him? I'm not too sure. But who would be the right fit? Well, Steve Diamond might be. Getting back involved with Worcester if the Cowboy crew that have managed to own it at the minute don't want to go through with it. Just a rumour, fingers crossed. And I think that's more of a fit for someone like Steve Diamond. I, I, me personally, I don't think... I love Steve Diamond. We've had, had him on the pod. I just don't know whether Edinburgh, that style of rugby, the way that, that Cockers was that didn't really fit with them at the end of the tenure, fits with someone like Steve Diamond. I might be completely wrong. Who knows? It feels like there could be Gareth Baber might step up into that role or move across into that role. Brad Moore, who's coaching with Scotland, former Scarlets, All Blacks coach. Lovely bloke. Lovely bloke. Loves a flat cap as well, Loves a he? flat cap. He actually is sporting a mullet at the minute, which for me... Give him the job. Screams out young, 
screams out innovative, screams out midlife crisis. Give him the job. Give him the job. <laughs> Give him the job. Edinburgh, I don't know, it's a hard one because I actually thought Edinburgh would fly the flag for Scotland this year. And you look at what Glasgow have done under Franco Smith, a home last eight against Munster. That's the big thing. And you look at Scottish rugby and, and how they do it. When you name that Edinburgh team just before they were going to play against Leicester in the... Stacked. It was stacked. And I'm like, oh yeah, Jim's just convinced me that actually Edinburgh can do a job. And that team is quality, but obviously they don't get them enough. Do you want me to do it again? Do you want me to do it again? No, no. They're irrelevant now because they're... Well, you they're can a, and then no. say how bad they are because they're... No, it's irrelevant. You're absolutely right. It's absolutely irrelevant now because they're nowhere at the end of the season. But the other thing on it, so the same sort of scenario, Edinburgh were, were very good in Europe. They beat Saracens at home. They should have beaten Saracens away. They get to the knockout stages. Didn't perform against Leicester. Dan van der Merwe knocks it on. Then Jamie Ritchie gets sat down by Jasper Visa, And Leicester did pretty well. But... Same in the Ospreys. Ospreys did very well in Europe. If you remember, think back, they won away at Leicester, you know, won away at Montpellier as well, I think, qualified. Shocking in the URC. So, you know, we're talking about the way Leinster do it and Leinster can manage their squad when they lose all their players to international rugby. The flip side is the likes of Edinburgh and Ospreys when all their internationals aren't there. They have no depth and they're near the bottom of the URC. So not everyone's right, not everyone's wrong, but it's tough, isn't it? So if you're looking at the last eight, you've got the quarterfinals, you've got Ulster at home to Connacht. Then you've got the Stormers at home to the Bulls, Leinster at home to the Sharks, and Glasgow at home to Munster. Mm. Well, repeat the final last year, Stormers against the Bulls. Who won the final, Jim? Not John Dobson, but turns out it was. <laughs> turns out it was. Yeah. I'm excited to watch Glasgow Munster because there's always question marks around Munster. And fair play to Munster, you talk about a little bit of form. They beat the Stormers last week down in Cape Town. Mm. This week, they're 19 points down against the Sharks, which was exactly the same as they were in the knockout game, the last 16 game of the Champions Cup. And the way they got hosed, took 50. This week, they've clawed it back and got a draw. So, Graham O'Rantry, and they'll fancy themselves going to Glasgow. Maybe not on the 4G, 5G pitch, whatever, but... That's intriguing. I think the others probably, without disrespecting the away teams, Ulster have done very well, especially getting the the second place in the league. So they get the home semi final as well. If it gets, if they get that far, you'd expect them to beat Connacht, wouldn't you? Jim, thoughts? Can you see the Sharks doing a job on Leinster? No, not now. I could have, but they've lost Ebenezer Beth for the season. Sia Khaleesi went off injured in the game. And Kerwin Bosch as well. So three of their best players, effectively, in Sia, Eben, and Bosch, the ten. It's against Leinster. Oh, I don't know. Sears, the one. Sears been brilliant for... Well, all, all of them are one. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough for them. But I'm a big fan of the Sharks. Marco Masotti, big shout out. Andrew, your former team. And they're a bit my former team as well. But, yeah, get through this round of eight and then we'll really get an eye on who can take it. So you've got Leinster Sharks. But the Sharks, they haven't made the Champions Cup, have they? No, one of the crazy things of the URC... Whoever finishes eighth, if a Welsh team, and I'm not, why are you being horrible, Jim? Well, it's the truth, and if it's it, ridiculous. <laughs> because it's not really the champion. It shouldn't be called the Champions Cup, should it? It should be called the Cup for Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the truth, though. You can't call it the Champions Cup, yet you don't yeah. have the best eight teams from the URC. I'm sorry. So for our listeners, and there's a bit of a debate around this, for our listeners, obviously, if you finish in the top eight, the URC, you have to have a team from each shield. 
the sub shield. So it's Scotland and Italy as one shield. So the top team in that obviously is Glasgow. They're in the top eight. They qualify. The Welsh shield. So you've got Which Cardiff one. Yeah, Cardiff, Scarlets, Ospreys, and the 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 Dragons. I can't remember what they, the Dragons. The Drags won. The Drags won a game. But so one of the Welsh teams has to be in the Champions Cup next season. Yeah. In the league system, they didn't qualify by finishing the top eight. So Cardiff, Cardiff have finished 10th, have they? 11th. 11th, there you go. Cardiff have finished 11th in the URC. And they're in the Champions, in the Champions, say it. Champions Cup. Say it. The Champ- Heineken Champions Cup. Say it again, one more time. The Heineken Champions Cup. The Champions Cup. Yeah. I feel bad. I'm interviewing Martin and I, the CEO of the URC, soon. So I'll maybe call him out on that a little bit because it is a bit crazy speaking of the champions cup leinster can you see them being undone by toulouse at home in dublin part of me says yes really and part of me says absolutely not so watching toulouse in their quarter final they played some sublime rugby against the sharks and any team with dupont in it and untamak and mirfu and all the big units up front they're, they're a class team yeah, you've got Ramos at fullback. They're a star-studded team. And then I think back to last year in the semi-finals, and they got absolutely hosed by Leinster at the Aviva by 40 points. So They wouldn't have forgotten that. No. It's hard to call, is it? Because if you look at the backbone of both teams, without stating the obvious, it's one and two. So it's the Ireland-France one and two yeah. scenario again. And you sit here trying to make a prediction. Like Goody said, Toulouse could turn up and just play out of this world and win. Their offloading game is beyond belief at times. And when Mac, whenever he gets hands on the ball, he's fending boys, he's finding space, he's getting offloads away, he's making breaks. Things could click for him that way. And, you know, Leinster are class. You've got the best two countries in the world getting at, going at each other with a lot of their first-choice players. Look at nine. You've got DuPont against Jameson Gibson Park, fullback Hugo Keenan against Thomas Ramos, the French fullback against the Ireland fullback. It's going to be a class game to watch. Yeah, we know how Leinster play the all-court game they've got around the handling, the the shapes they put on, staying square at the line, everyone's handling, there's options everywhere. The Toulouse team are more off the cuff, you know, playing to their sort of French abilities of the offloading game, attacking space and all that stuff. So they can cause damage to anyone. They are ridiculously good at times, but it's just so hard to go against Leinster, isn't it, at the Aviva? Mm. Yeah, with the history they've got at the Aviva, playing games, the finals at the Aviva. Semi-final is supposed to be on a neutral ground. Is it? Well, technically it is because it's the national stadium. It's not Leinster's ground, but ironic, isn't it, that they play all their big games there. Honestly, do you think maybe this is a bit far for Exeter or do they have a realistic chance of beating La Rochelle? Seems too far, doesn't it? La Rochelle are champions. You've got Exeter who have been up and down this season. But it's a one-off game. Look at Gloucester. Gloucester went down there and run them to the wire. And that's what you can look at and be like, yes, they have a chance. Will the added emotion of what's happened to Jack Knoll, will the energy of myself and Andrew Good being there with two of their greatest players have any kind of effect? Well, that definitely won't. But, <laughs> well, it won't. We'll be, maybe, maybe negative. Well, maybe negative, because if we get them all pished on Wednesday night but we've seen then, that um, some good things can happen from that you say that yeah. and it's like no we can't do this it needs to be an early night you know we could maybe influence them see it at four o'clock in the morning lads everything points towards La Rochelle the fact that it's in France 
being played on a neutral ground in Bordeaux. The fact that Exeter, is it harsh to say they probably shouldn't be in this situation when you look at the season they've had and the changes they're going through? But you can see... Joe, we're going to Exeter on Wednesday. I know. Hang on, hear me out. And you cannot say they don't deserve to be in a Champions I didn't say they don't Champions deserve. I said, did we see it? And also, I go back to my comment last week. Exeter have got history in this competition. They won it back in 2020 with no fans during COVID. What a lovely send-off it would be if you put the emotional aspect into it for a lot of them players. Imagine them being in the final. Like It'd be unbelievable. We saw the scenes of La Rochelle and how it united that whole town when they won it. Imagine Exeter and their story to win it again. And then there is a change of guard. You know what? Fuck it. I can see Exeter winning. I've, <laughs> I've convinced myself and the nation. You have, Jim. Yeah. And the fact that we're going down there, you, we're going to say it. But I did have a little look over the weekend at La Rochelle's team. I thought, I wonder how hard they've gone in their top 14 game. Because if you think back to the quarterfinal against Saracens, Bottier was ridiculous. I think he goes off injured. Weenie Antonio goes off. Will Skelton, you know, you're thinking, have they all recovered? Yeah, they have, boys, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> the excellent they've all recovered. Botti was on the bench. He came on for a bit. Big Willie, little Willie Skelton. Winnie Antonio was on the bench as well. Aldrete was on the bench this weekend. They've held a few boys back. And he's already... Yeah, they've held a few boys back. It's Listen, it's going to be exceptionally tough for Exeter, but with everything Jim just said, if you're looking at it on paper, you look at the power of this La Rochelle team. They won it last year. They're defending their title. It's hard to look past them, but the thing for Exeter and what's sharpened the mind of La Rochelle is what Gloucester did to them because they probably took Gloucester a little bit light in terms of respecting what Gloucester could do because of where Gloucester were in terms of their premiership form and where they were in the, in the league in the premiership all the injuries they had but they shook La Rochelle Gloucester did in terms of how they played finding edges you know putting on first phase plays where they're pulling the big boys out of the line and yeah, they played exceptionally well so Exeter will look at that and find a way of trying to attack it but I just think with O'Gara at the helm and the fact that it's now a semi-final, they'll be ready to take it to Exeter and it'll be a very tough day, but I'm back in Exeter now. Come on, Exeter. Come on, the Chief Chief Chiefs. Okay, so let's say, let's, for argument's sake, just humour me, let's fast forward to next week we're recording and Exeter have won it. How yes. have they won it? Because of me and Jim down in Exeter on Wednesday night. That's why. Influencers. Simple. The rattlesnake's gone down a storm. All right, well, shall we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, loads of good this week. James, we're going to start off with Scotland. What, where? In Scotland. Scotland women, Jim. Yeah, I know. Yeah, beat Italy, the Italians. They did. They ended their 12-game losing streak and beat the Italians in the TikTok Women's Six Nations. So big shout-out to the Scotland women. Yeah. Saints are getting a mention to goo this week. Classy in attack. Tries for fun. Tom Collins out this world. Alex Mitchell as well. Well done to those boys. Sale get mentioned the good this week. That's a home semi-final for them now. They beat Gloucester away. We mentioned that earlier. Good stuff from them. Bath. We didn't really talk about Bath and Harlequins because it was a bit of a dead rubber. But Bath. But it's not a dead rubber because Bath still could make the top eight. But how oh, good. Joe Cock and a Seagull. Oh, my word. He, for me, is a player where you just want to be like, mate, you could be unbelievable. Yeah, but shout out to the Bath boys. Three wins on the spin for them. Monster, get a mention the goo. They draw at the Sharks to come back from 19 points down. Decent tour of South Africa. Uh, beating the Stormers last week as well. Ulster, get a mention the goo. They beat Edinburgh to secure second spot and potentially a home semi-final if they beat Connacht in their quarter-final. To so shout out to the Ulster boys. The Bulls, get a mention the goo. Absolutely smashing some team from Ireland. Well, basically the Ireland under-14s. wasn't Leinster's first team, as we know, but they smashed 
Leinster and it, they were the first team to beat them this year so uh, shout out to the Bulls boys but the good this week goes to a couple of Gloucester legends who decided to shave their heads for Ed Slater and the Fort Ed charity uh, Billy Twelve Trees we've seen his gorgeous gorgeous blonde locks for years in the Premiership and Geordie Reed, not so gorgeous hair but he's grown that for about 18 years apparently both of them absolute legends for shaving their heads to raise money and awareness for the Fort Ed Charity for Ed Slater. So uh, the good this week goes to Billy Twelve Trees and Geordie Reed. How weird did Billy Twelve Trees look with a skinhead? Yeah, I've seen him with one skinhead, and that's when he turned up and he had to shave his head off. Yeah, he didn't want to do the milk, did he? No, he didn't want to do the milk, and he didn't want to shave the hair, but he looked quite frightening. And I saw, I think it was Geordie Reed's kid who was crying because Daddy cut his hair off, so he didn't recognise him anymore. <laughs> so a massive shout out to Geordie Reed and Billy Twelve Trees. The bad, few bits of bad. Leinster again, the bad just because. I know it was their third or fourth team, but getting hosed 62 points to seven at the Bulls and they're unbeaten this year. I've not had a chance to put them in the bad, so let's put them in the bad. Ever. For 62 points. So they get mentioned the bad. Zebra get a mention the bad again this week. They finished their URC season with a played 18, lost 18 record. Uh, the whole die young scenario gets mentioned the bad, being suspended by Cardiff. Uh, it's not a good look for Welsh rugby. So hope things get sorted there. Quinns get a mention in the bad this week. Obviously losing their game at Twickenham against Bath, but they've now won only three of their last 13 games in all competitions. They've dropped off a cliff results-wise out of the playoff picture. I'm just going to say they let Nick Evans go to England and England didn't do very well and Quinns didn't either. So they shouldn't have let Nick Evans go or they should have got someone in to replace him. Are you sorry they're not in the top four, Jim? No, no it doesn't affect me in the slightest. <laughs> Well, maybe an horrible. Uh, but the bad this week, unfortunately, goes to my old club, Newcastle Falcons. Biggest ever home defeat, 66 points to five. Sad state of affairs up at the club. As Jim said, it looked like a few of them had chucked the towel in. A few issues around the changing of the guard in terms of ownership. A lot of good people, the likes of Mark Wilson leaving the club and a few others behind the scenes as well. Scott McLeod's leaving. Yeah, Will Welch as well. Shout out to him who's retiring at the end of the year, an absolute club legend. So there's not a great feeling there and we wait to see whether they're going to drop down to the championship and it be a 10-team premiership next year. Producer Rob's just written a message in the run sheet and he said, please be kind, I'm sad. Yeah, sorry Rob. I love Newcastle because of my time there. And I'm sorry to all the Falcons fans, especially Rob. Rest in peace, Newcastle Falcons. Rest in peace, it's gone. Rest in peace to the Falcon. Uh, and then the ugly, the ugly this week. Two bits of ugly. Daffy Jenkins, his head-on-head collision with Max Laheef, but there's been some real ugly scenes over in the USA, USA, in the MLR. A fight broke out between head coach of the Houston Sabercats, Pote Human, and one of our old friends, Jim, Ollie Richardson, who is the high performance director for the New York side. They're having a scrap on the field. Punches were thrown. Have a look at it on Twitter. Ugly as anything. Do you remember Ollie Richardson as our S&C coach? Of course I do. Ollie Richardson, on my leaving do, came dressed up as a bloke condom and jumped into the canal. What a legend. <laughs> he was like an S&C coach. He gave him a bit of stick. He's like, I'll fight you. And he went down the MMA route as well, didn't he? Yeah, he's, so- he's involved in Dan Hardy's gym business style things mate top lad really really good lad yeah he is a really good lad really good lad salt of the earth he's done the rounds he's worked in Australia he's worked at Leicester he's worked in Japan yeah and now he's filling in 80 year old South African coaches well the funny thing is right <laughs> in America so, so Joel Stransky well, I'm on a WhatsApp group for all the old Leicester players and Joel Stransky put on something that Pote Human 
was one of the dirtiest players when he played back in the day. He's come on, he's thinking, oh, I'm a big lad, I'm going to give it big licks, however old I am. I've got a beard. What he didn't know was Ollie Richardson has got an MMA background. Boom, 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 boom. And he got a few punches in. So, um, yeah, Ollie Richardson, I don't condone fighting on the rugby field or throwing punches, especially high-performance coaches or head coaches, but you got to know who you're fighting. And Pote, you got it completely wrong. And it's in America, so it's like the Wild West. So There we go. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we've got a few shout-outs today. Big shout-out to the Gordonians, who won the Tenants National League 3 with only one loss so far. And the Newbury Ladies RFC for the unbeaten 16 out of 16 in Championship 2 South. And they've been promoted. So a big shout-out to Nikki and Adam, the coaches, and Lizzie, the Duracell bunny, who is the captain. I'll have a name, that. wonder what that Lizzie means. Lizzie, the Duracell yeah. bunny. Do you think I don't, I, she's got a bunny or not? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. The Duracell batteries. Maybe she works for the RSPCA. I don't know. Yeah, Jay's been in touch as well to ask for a shout-out for Northampton Uni Rugby League and Union teams who are going head-to-head in their annual cross-code fixture on the 5th of May. The league lads are hoping to avenge their loss from last year, but for the first time ever, they're playing on the hallowed turf of Franklin's Gardens, which actually is the best rugby pitch for quality in the Premiership. So to all the Northampton Uni Rugby lads, league and union, league boys, I hope you get absolutely battered by the union boys. They'll go and celebrate together anyway around the Chinese buffet the only restaurant in Northampton simple for them got a shout out to East Peckham and Paddock Wood RFC who are due to represent the South East at Twickenham on May 1st which is bank holiday weekend it's free and it'd be great to have as much support so head along full details can be found on the RFU website now a massive shout out as well to the Navy Rugby over in USA USA and it's from our old mate, Gav Hickey, the old Leicester Tigers hooker. Yeah, good lad. Whose nickname was Soss. Yeah. Son of Simon. We thought he was Simon Cohen's love child. Um, he'll hate me for saying that. But he's done exceptionally well and doing exceptionally well over in America. Uh, the Navy Rugby are 17-0. and 0. That's how he wanted me to say it because he's now American. Played 17-117 for people that speak this side of the pond. They're in the Navy Championship game with a team of guys who have barely played rugby before coming up to the Naval Academy. It's unprecedented and extremely special. All the guys are going to go on to be Top Gun pilots, Marines and SEALs, and rugby is teaching them the values of leadership, teamwork and resiliency. So they've done some amazing stuff. They're doing exceptionally well. And Gav Hickey and all the Navy rugby boys, you get a big shout out. Lovely stuff. Last one from me, shout out to Pontypridd Schools. For the first time, both the main team and Pontypridd Schools under 15s have reached the finals of the respective cup competitions which are called the DC Thomas Cup and the Dewar Shield. The finals are to be played at the Principality Stadium. So good luck to everyone involved in that. And lastly, a shout out to Ryslip Rugby Club under-14s who are touring Swansea Bat next weekend. Go well, everyone, and dine in hell. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spod. Spotapod, pod, 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 pod. <laughs>